Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Superhero action figures over 7 inches tall. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Lots of action for one and all. Action figures over 7 inches tall. The Riley and Kimmy Show. It's a Wednesday, episode 1205. Thank you for checking us out. Right next to me is... Kimmy! I got one name. Kimmy! Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. Quite a good scene, isn't it? One man crazy... Three very sane spectators. That's right. They're all sane around me. Two fur kids right behind me. One of them is, uh, well, uh, Kimmy's afraid that he's going to be making noises on the show here because, uh, well, uh, he, he's licking. Uh, I, I think it adds character to the show. And his his sister, too, is right next to him. His fur kid sister on the fur bed. And right to my other side is, uh, to my left, is Kimmy. You don't know how much I've missed all of you. And I promise you I'll never desert you again. You see, this is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us. And the cameras. And those wonderful people out there in the dark. Yes, she's here in the dark. That's Kimmy. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. And welcome to this episode, a Wednesday. Now, the test for you, Kimmy, is what is a Wednesday to the world of nerdum? New comic book day. Brand new stuff at comic yeah. book stores throughout the country. And you can find that list of what's brand new at the comic book stores. You know, that's things like comic books, graphic novels, trade paperbacks, uh, you know, other product like T-shirts, things like that. Yeah, toys, the very important part, and also uh, statues and other nerd things you can find that list available right on our website and that's right in our news nerd or nerd news section very easy for me to say it, the nerd news section and you can find that right at rileyandkimmy.com and just one of the places uh, around the central florida area you can find some of that stuff is you can find it in a couple of locations we're going to highlight here one of them being smash comics and games you can find that uh, that new comic book stuff in Sanford, Florida, if you're in that area of the, oh, you know, the uh, DeLand, the uh, Daltona, the uh, Orange City, the that that area, mm-hmm. you know, Sanford, a very good location. And check out David and his staff. That's at Smash Comics and Games. They'll have the brand new stuff available for you. And also over in Claremont, Florida, our good friend Todd Merrick will have things there at Heroes Landing. Be sure to check out both locations. And, you know, speaking of Smash Comics, they will be at an upcoming event, which is the Daytona Comic Book Convention, just around the corner, which is happening April 23rd. Right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. And can't wait for this event. By the way, it's something that was just announced. That, well, we, we teased it on our previous episode, but it's now all official. Something that is happening at the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention is a chance for you to win a Wonder Woman painting and this is a very nice looking painting. Uh, kind of reminds me, I, I don't mean to offend the the artist by the name of Bruce Hughes, kind of has a little bit of an Andy Warhol feel to it to me. And Bruce Hughes, otherwise known as Offensive Me, has donated this. And it is part of a chance to raise money for Tug's 
Pink House of Woof Rescue. That's for animal rescue. Mm-hmm. And tickets are being sold for opportunities to win this uh, this beautiful painting. And tickets will be available at the convention, at the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. $1 a ticket for your chance to win this beautiful piece of art. Add it to your walls. Right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. And you can find out more about the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. And, by the way, don't be left out. You can you can purchase tickets right now. Advance tickets to get into the show. Go right to their website, DaytonaBeachComicConvention.com. Also, check out their Facebook page and you know find out more. And we hope to see you, by the way, at this event. We'll be right next to Tug, the Bull Terrier puppy. Tug's right there. Uh, Tug, the superhero dog, will be right next to us with his parents. That is Kim Joy and Blake Ovard. Right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. And it's stop on by for this fun event. Uh, just a whole day of nerd. Tons of comic books. I mean, literally thousands of comic books will be at this location. Tom Ralph, Jake Bates, a pop culture playground will have plenty there. Also, Joe Peace of the Comic Book Connection will be set up. And one of our favorite comic book dealers of all time, that is Jay of Jay's Multimedia, will be there. And he will have tons of things as well. I mean, I guarantee if you're looking for that uh, that certain key book, there's a very good chance it could be there. By the way, speaking of Jay at a recent uh, comic book convention, I saw him provide a collector daredevil number one Mm. so i mean and that is really cool nice and his books are beautiful matter of fact uh last year at an event jay and i were together he let me hold amazing fantasy number 15 that is the debut of spider-man and i I held that original comic book in my hands it was a very highly graded issue too so it was very very cool so check out these comic books that will be available this will be also an opportunity to go down memory lane with those, too. You can show people the way it used to be, maybe some of the things that got you into comic books. And not just comic books, pop finals, toys, collectibles, lunchboxes, things like this will be at this location. This is a place I have found uh, Mark's Toys and uh, G.I. Joe figures and Action Jackson. I picked one of those up, uh, maybe two, three, four uh, Daytona Beach comic book collection or comic book convention shows in the past. So uh, who knows what you'll find, right? I know. Um, lots of stuff to see, buy. Lots of people to meet. Just a yes. lot of things to do. Oh, that's right. It's fun for the entire family. It's it's family friendly. I want to stress with this event. And if you got a little bit of a costuming in you, you don't have to be one of these professional cosplayers. But if you just want to do it for the fun, there's an opportunity for you to participate in a cosplay contest. I believe one of the judges is right next to me, right? Uh, you, well, you, yeah. I think so. Uh, unless yeah. I've been fired. Well. I don't think that's happened. You're with Joel D. Weinkoop, uh, director, the king of B-movies. No no kidding. This guy's like John Carradine of films. I mean, he's got like a, a pedigree of a thousand films. I mean, it's not, I don't know if a thousand, but it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And matter of fact, uh, rumor is they might be shooting an actual film, uh, part of a movie, at the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. Really? Yes. Uh, another director will be there, Bill Black, artist, director. I believe he is going to be filming a scene for an upcoming film of his at this big event so you could see this actually happen Ooh, that is pretty cool isn't it yeah yeah and, and so stop on by to the daytona beach comic book convention if you've never been to this one check it out it is conveniently located close to orlando if you're vacationing uh this time period is something and it, it, you're not going to be overran meaning it's uh uh, we'll, we'll be honest here. This is not one of those gigantic conventions. So you, you can actually take your time looking at things. You're not going to be shoved into the corner uh, by a herd of people, correct? That's right. I mean, but l- let's support this show. Help it grow. And if you're part of Volusia County, 
show some pride here and and help this convention become even bigger. Yeah. And there's a superhero there too, and that's Tug the Bull Terrier puppy, and and Blake and and Kim Ovard are there, and they're just great people. By the way, uh, Tug. Uh, works with Animal Rescues. He's part of uh, that cause. Also, anti-bullying and dementia awareness. Mm-hmm. So many positive things come from the world of Tug. You can find out more about Tug. We have a video interview with Tug's dad. Uh, we have that right on our website and on our video section. You can find that. Also, it's on our, our Facebook page, too, if you want to dig for it there. You can find all that available right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. And by the way, if you do show up at the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention, you just might hear Blake Ovard, that is Tug's dad, sing a Riley and Kimmy show jingle or perhaps something else. The more you listen, the more you'll know when you listen to the Riley and Kimmy show. And Kimmy, I have a question for you on this Wednesday. Are you willing? Are you able? Do you want to play Nerd and Pop Culture Geek Trivia? I'll give it my best shot. It is a Wednesday, a Wednesday, April 5th. I, I, I take the 5th. I plead the 5th, but I don't drink the 5th. That's right. It is Wednesday, April 5th, and we're moving to the pop culture world. And feel free to shout out answers to Kimmy if she needs some help. She's stalling, or if you think she just might not know it. That's right. Yell at your tablet, your smartphone, your your desktop, your your whatever whatever you're listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on, because we are mobile. We are global. You can hear us anywhere on planet Earth. That's right. Tell your friends you found a place with a variety nerd talk show daily. Yeah, that's key. Brand new stuff every single day. And uh, think the answers if you want, because she is psychic, psycho, psychic. So uh, yeah, she's got ESP, so she might actually get the answer. It, who knows? It sometimes works. It, it really does. You think there's a TV show called Stranger Things? Well, I experience Stranger Things. I have Kimmy with me every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my version of Stranger Things. Are you strapped in, Kimmy? Are you ready to go? I'm ready. Okay, it is a Wednesday, April 5th, and here we go, moving to the world of music, which is your strong point of nerd trivia. It was on this date in history. This individual committed suicide. He killed himself with a shotgun, but he was found dead three days later. Tell me the name of, well, the lead singer of Nirvana, who killed himself on this date in history. Kurt Cobain. Yes. Now, within two years, what year did Kurt Cobain kill himself? Um, 1999. 1994 is when he committed suicide. Can you tell me the name of his wife? Oh, um, yeah, her. Yes, um, yes, her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me her name? Um... Shout it out. I can see her. Okay. Um, Form a name to that. Shout it out. What's her first name? Very unique first name, actually. Oh, well, give me initials. No, no, no. I'll I'll give you the first name. Courtney. Courtney Love. Uh, That's right. Courtney Love. Uh, I guess you you didn't say Courtney Cox, so that's a good thing there. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, that's another famous Courtney. Right. It's only one that comes to my mind, Mm Courtney-wise, is those two. Yes, Courtney Love. Moving over to something else happening on this date in history. It was 1614. This American Indian princess, Pocahontas, marries English colonist John Rolfe in Virginia. It was on this date, 1792. President Washington cast the first presidential veto. It was on this date. Now, pay attention, Kimmy. If you miss this one, we will we will have issues here. The year is 1887. 
this individual teaches Helen Keller a certain word. It's the breakthrough word. She does this in a manual alphabet, by hand that is. Can you tell me the name of the teacher and the word that was taught, the first word? Oh, that's Ann Sullivan. Yes. And the word is water. Yes, that is correct. And you have seen the movie that's based on that from the 1960s before, right? Yes. All right, moving over to something else happening on this date in history. It was 1892. In New York, the Ithaca Daily Journal publishes an ad introducing a new and 1892, this actually sounds kind of expensive if you know how pricing went for a long period of time in America. This item was 10 cents, and it was an ice cream specialty called a cherry sundae. That's when it made its debut, but that seems very expensive to me. 10 hmm. cents in 1892. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it does. does. Moving into the 20th century, it was 1955, Winston Churchill resigns as British Prime Minister. Music question time, Kimmy, we'll give you the years. 1968, this group, or this duo, releases a single on this date in history. Please identify the duo. And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Jesus loves you more than you will know. Can you tell me the name of that uh, duo, Kimmy? Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, wow. Uh, very good. Thought we'd throw you with that one. Why? I'm kidding. I'm just totally kidding. I was like... That was easy. I know. It was very easy. But this one, let's just test your musical knowledge. There is no audio clue, Kimmy. Let's just see how well you know history. It does tie history, politics, and music together. The year is 1983. This pop Band, this rock pop band was banned from the 4th of July concert at the White House. But President Ronald Reagan overturned the band two days later and they performed. Who is the band? Wow, I have no idea. I will give you an extra clue. They're known for surf music. The Beach Boys? The Beach Boys is correct. That was 1983. They were deemed by somebody inappropriate for the White House. And, really? Yeah, Mr. Reagan uh, said... Eh. Bizarre. <laughs> he changed his mind. Well, not him. I don't think he banned him. I think it was whoever setting up the mm. thing. They said, no, you can't. No, no. But yeah, he said, <laughs> no, they're there. So on this date, 1984, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of the Los Angeles Lakers became... The all-time NBA regular season scoring leader when he broke Wilt Chamberlain's record of 31,419 career points. The year is 1985, Kimmy. Tell me the name of this professional athlete. This professional athlete said, Any man can beat any woman at any sport, especially tennis. Who is he? Jimmy Connors? No. Somebody else in the world of tennis, though. John McEnroe? Yeah, John McEnroe actually said that. It was on this date in 1987. Fox Broadcasting launched itself with two shows. One of the shows is the Tracy Ullman Show, which would eventually cause uh, The Simpsons to be mm -hmm. in existence. But they also premiered another show with it, one that lasted far longer than the Tracy Ullman show. And see if you can identify the name of that show they premiered their network with. Hey, I'm blind! Very funny, Al. No, really, Peg. I saw your mother naked. And everything went black. I think my eyes were trying to protect my heart. 
Kimmy, can you tell me the name of that show? Married with Children. That, that is correct. Married with Children, and the year was 1987. Did you watch Married with Children way back then? Um, or yeah, was it, or was I, it I more, did or occasionally. More, more in syndication when you uh, watched it. No, I, I think I probably early Okay. On. All right. It was on this date, 1993. Construction began on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The question for you, Kimmy, is tell us where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is exists your favorite rock band one of your favorites from your hometown was just inducted into this hall of fame can you tell me where ohio that's right can you be more specific can you tell me the name of the city they're in dayton no it's cleveland cleveland but that's close enough i didn't think you'd even get the state but she did that's good that's cleveland ohio uh, and we'll give it to her moving over to notable and celebrity birthdays kimmy this is an actor born 1900 he appeared in 75 films in 1999 the american film institute ranked him as ninth greatest male star in classic hollywood cinema here is your clue. He was in a lifelong relationship with Catherine Hepburn. Neither, you know, they didn't they didn't get married. Can you tell me who he is? Spencer Tracy. That's right. And did he pass away in the 1960s, 1970s, or 1980s? 1960s? That's correct. 1967. At the age of 67 is when he passed away. Now, have you ever seen him in anything that you can recall? Mm-hmm. You, you do. You have seen films mm-hmm. of him. Did you ever see him in the, uh, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde film that he did? I don't know. Well, that's one we'll have to uh, pull out there. There's so many great films of uh, Spencer Tracy to check out, but that's one I I, I would be interested in, in watching with you. Next person born on this date, 1908, Kimmy, an actress, and she played opposite Joan Crawford in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, and that was in 1962, the film. By the way, she, she decided to do this film after reading the script and believing it could appeal to the same audience that had recently made Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, 1960, a success. She negotiated a deal that would pay her 10% of the worldwide gross profits, in addition to her salary. Now, the film became one of the well, the biggest successes of that year and has lasted all time. Can you identify the actress, please? Joan Crawford? I said played opposite Joan oh, Crawford. Oh, Betty, Betty Davis. Yeah, she's the one who played, you know, she was, she was like really crazy. Mm. You know, like way, way out there. And by the way, it's legendary. They did not like each other. It's true. They fought on the set and they had all kinds of problems. I'd love to see the that you know the making of that movie because mm-hmm. I guess it was quite intense. She, it, it's a brilliant film. Check that one out. Or All About Eve, which Kimmy has not seen. Uh, that's a fantastic one from 1950 with her and Ann Baxter, and they became lifelong friends in that movie, even uh, from that movie, even though they were enemies in the movie, eventual enemies that is. And Betty Davis is just fascinating to study in the world of acting and, and uh, movies because uh, she fought with Warner Brothers, actually uh, was in a lawsuit with them to get out of contract back in the, I believe it was the late 30s. She fled to England, went to court against them, and lost uh, with them. She stated that she was basically in slavery uh, working for them. And she actually, uh, she, she lost, which is what it's. It's a wild ride, and then she would go back and have success with Warner Brothers, and then eventually go independent. This person, actor, having a birthday, born 1916, Kimmy, no longer with us, unfortunately. Known for this big role, well, he played in the original Omen. He was the adoptive, or the adoptive father to uh, Damien. That's from 1976. He played in The Boys from Brazil in 1978. But what I love him in, and so many others do, is he played Atticus Finch in the 1962 film 
to kill a mockingbird. And, it, and by the way, earned him the Academy Award for Best Actor. Can you tell me the name of this, well, this mystery birthday person? Gregory Peck. That's right. Gregory Peck passed away 2003 at the age of 87. And side note of fun trivia, he was the original choice to play. Well, when Kirk Allen said, I do not want to play Superman again, because he did it in the movie serials, they offered him the television role of Superman. And he, well, it was actually a made for, it was a film that would become the TV series. He said, no, I, I don't want to do that. Gregory Peck was tapped, was asked to play Clark Kent and Superman, and he declined it. And then it would go to George Reeves. Moving over to somebody else, born on this date, 1922, actress Gail Storm, also singer as well, too, and dancer. She died 2007 at the age of 89. Uh, you wouldn't really know her at all, Kimmy. My exposure to her is because uh, many, many, many years ago, was it when I was a, a teenager and moved to the big city, a certain cable channel would run really old TV shows, you know, probably because they didn't have to really pay for them much to run them. Anyway, they ran a show she was in called My Little Margie, and I saw that. And and she was on the Gale Storm show. Now, none of the retro uh, stations around in our area of Orlando run any of her stuff currently. They haven't, uh, you know, that I've seen in years. Somebody else having a birthday, Roger Corman. I know you don't know who that is, correct? You have no idea who Roger Corman is. Mm -mm. Roger Corman, he's very important to you and anybody who loves films. He is 91 today. He's an independent film director, producer, and actor. Uh, he, he has mentored just tons of people, gave uh, many young film directors their starts, such as Francis Ford Coppola, Ron Howard, Martin Scorsese, and James Cameron. Actors who obtained their career breaks working with Corman include Jack Nicholson, Peter Fonda, Bruce Dern, Charles Bronson, Dennis Hopper, Sandra Bullock, Robert De Niro, and David Carradine, just to name a few. And by the way, Robert England worked with Roger Corman and talks about that in his uh, autobiography. Hmm. How it was an interesting ride. Next person born on this date, Kimmy. No longer with us. Known really for one role, even though he was in, he was so talented. He was a gifted impressionist. That's what he's known for before starring on this one role. He would appear on a lot of TV shows as in a, just doing impressions. But uh, when he did this one TV show, it kind of, uh, well, that's what he became known of or known for forever. See if you can tell me who this mystery birthday person is. Here is your audio clue. Riddle me this. What do you call a sleeping bull? Answer. A bulldozer. <laughs> Riddle me this. What tell me, what tell me, what's the difference between an elephant and a flea? Gee, we would sure like to know the difference between an elephant and a flea. Well, an elephant can have fleas, but a flea can't have elephants. Oh. <laughs> Did the chick say to the other chick when the hen laid an orange instead of an egg? What did the chick say to the other chick when the hen laid an orange on an egg? The chick said, look at the orange marmalade. Ah, oh, come on, Riddler. I puzzle you a puzzle, I quiz you a quiz. I'm gonna keep you guessing like nobody's business. I'm a whiz, and my name is the Riddler. <laughs> Riddle me this. Which 
Tell me which is the easier to spell Fiddly dee or fiddly dum Gee, we give up which is easier to spell Fiddly dee or dum Fiddly dee, cause it's spelled with more ease <laughs> Hey, Riddler, when's the worst weather for rats and mice? When it's raining cats and dogs Your nose, not 12 inches long Because then it would be your foot Hey, Riddler, why do birds fly south in the winter? Because it's too far to walk Gee, Riddler, you know everything That's right, kids And you know why? Because I'm the Riddler A little way back Wednesday moment there with that person who played the Riddler. Kimmy, who is the actor who played the Riddler and actually sang about being the Riddler? Wow. Frank Gorshin. That's right, Frank Gorshin. I bet you never heard that one. No, I've yeah. never heard that. You see, what you get here with the Riley yeah. and Kimmy Show, we take you back in time. That's what we do all the time. That's what we, that's what we are about, memories. And that's a special way back Wednesday one there. Can you, and, and Did you tell me his name? Yes, uh, you did. Frank well, Gorshin. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, we're paying attention here. Yes, Frank Gorshin, born on this date, 1934, died at the age of 72 in 2005. Love to go back in time and just travel around and see him and uh, Adam West together because he, they would uh, go out in costume during Halloween in the like Beverly Hills area mm-hmm. and and go to these high, you know, really, uh, you know, really, uh, really expensive uh, Halloween parties and show up, and people didn't know it was them for a while. Then they realized it really was them. Uh-huh. And they, they actually hang together. You, cool. you can find that kind of stuff in uh, in Adam West's autobiography. It's really cool. This person having a birthday today. Kimmy, tell me how old he is. Former United States Secretary of State and four-star general. That is Colin Powell. How old is he today within five years? 73. He is 80 today. Next person is really, he, he's done television directing but he's known for acting really in one major role. Identify the TV show he is known for. Um, Barney Miller. That's right. This is Maxwell Gale. He's 74 today. He played Detective Wojo, you know, Wojo Howitz uh, on, uh-huh. on Barney Miller. Wasn't he kind of like the dim-witted one? The, the oh. character? I think he was kind of the slow one. Well, Fish wasn't the slow one, was he? No. No. And you had the real smart guy that was the, the writer, wannabe writer on there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you had Barney, of course, and he wasn't dim-witted. No. I think Wojo was the dim-witted one. Okay. I just kind of do. Next person having a birthday, a singer. She won a Grammy Award for Best New Artist way back. Can you tell me who this is by chance, Kimmy? We're going to test your musical knowledge here because this person really only charted with two big hits, meaning uh, in the top 15, okay? Uh And it's been some time since they had a, a chart big big hit it was 1997 to be honest when the last time they had some uh, big chart activity so you can identify who this birthday person is here is clue number one Okay, can you tell me who that singer is? Or you need clue number two. Um, clue number two. Okay, 
right, Kimmy, that's clue number two, and that's it. You, We've exhausted our clues. Can you tell me who, well, that's from 1997, by the way, that uh, I don't want to wait uh, was a hit, number 11, on the charts. And before that, where have all the cowboys gone? That was number eight from 1997. Can you tell me who the mystery birthday person is? Sarah McLaughlin? Totally wrong. It's Paula Cole. I told you it was going to be a tough one. Uh. Paula Cole, having a birthday. She is 49 today. And the uh, last one we used as a clue was part of Dawson's Creek, the TV show, which I have a feeling you've never seen in a single no. episode of. Mm-hmm. Moving over to another section of trivia for today. I see dead people. It's notable deaths. Now, this person had been rumored to be de- dead for a long period of time or just vanished. And people question if he was alive, dead, not because he was a recluse. All right, Kimmy, he was a recluse. Give me the year. This person it was officially known that he was dead. Billionaire Howard Hughes. Tell me when he when, when he left us. 72? 1976 is when that happened. We'll give you within a five-year buffer for that. He died at the age of 72. Moving over to somebody else passing away on this date, 1964. Douglas MacArthur, United States General, dies at the age of 84. 1992, Sam Walton, billionaire, dies at the age of 74. Tell me what uh, he is known for, what he is a founder of. Well, that big W chain. Uh, that's right. That's correct. That's the yeah. best way to put it there. 2015, this actor passed away, Kimmy, at the age of 86. Now, he's best known for playing really one role on an NBC TV show. Here's your audio clue. Tell me the name of the TV show he is known for. <laughs> one which totally surprises me she cannot recall this i have a feeling kimmy can you tell me the name of that nbc tv show it's familiar it's very familiar i will give you this i got some extra clues if you need it are you ready Mm -hmm. all right it was a legal drama on nbc need another clue Mm -hmm. Ooh, jimmy smith starred on it for a period of time harry hamlin starred on it for a little bit of time legal drama you Mm-mm. cannot tell me the name of this show at all? Mm-mm. Well, the person we're talking about, first of all, the, the mystery person who passed away on this date, is Richard Dysart. He was an actor, an American actor, died at the age of 86, best known as Leland McKenzie, on the NBC legal drama called 
L.A. Law. Mm. You knew L.A. Law. Shame on Kimmy. It was on mm-hmm. his date 2015. Julie Wilson passes away at the age of 90, an American singer and actress. That wraps up today's trivia with Kimmy. I think you did a fantastic job there, Kimmy, even though you dropped the ball there on L.A. Law. That, that's okay, though. Uh, it, it, yeah. I never watched it. You did, too. You watched episodes. Yes, you did. You watched the episode where the one attorney who was the monster that took over and then she went down the elevator shaft. You watched that one when they got rid of her. Yes, you did. No, I never did. She did watch these with me. She really did. She watched that one with me. I can even tell you exactly what city we were in when, when you watched that with me. Yes, Kimmy, because I talked about it the next day on the morning show. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's caught there, but that's okay. By the way, if you like what you hear here, be sure to tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Have them like our Facebook page. Help the show grow. And we need your help, by the way, with the Spacey Awards. Be checking our Facebook page for announcements of when we need you to help us, uh, you know, in uh, in that cause. Because they're going to be doing another voting round for best podcast, best blogger. And we have uh, we, we, we went through round number one. So uh, we like to take this home for Kimmy because uh, we're trying to win it for Kimmy. So uh, you can help us out with that. And you can find out when that, uh, that voting process will be happening by just being part of our Facebook page. So please... Uh, follow our show, like our page, and you can find all social media links right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Right now, we're going to honor something from trivia with a, well, an episode or two from the golden age of radio. Radio And the Riley and Kimmy Show loves to go back in time and honor the golden age of radio. Any opportunity that we have, it's a chance for us to highlight the theater of the mind. Right now, an excellent example, two excellent examples we have of the golden age of radio, and it's with actor Gregory Peck, who we mentioned earlier in trivia. We have two examples. First one from, nine, well, matter of fact, both of them are from 1949, and the cool thing is both these episodes have a special announcer in there, and that is Paul Freeze. Yes, if you've been to the Haunted Mansion out at Disney, you know his voice. You also know him as Boris Badenoff and many, many other characters. He was the man with a thousand-plus voices. That's Paul Freeze. He is the narrator on uh, both these episodes. First episode is called Nightmare from 1949, followed by Murder Through the Looking Glass. Both of these uninterrupted. They're fantastic examples of the golden age of radio, starring Gregory Peck on The Riley and Kimmy Show. Suspense. Tonight, Autolite and its 96,000 dealers present Mr. Gregory Peck in Nightmare, a suspense play produced and edited by William Spear. And now with Nightmare and with the performance of Gregory Peck, Autolite hopes once again to keep you in... Suspense. They say every nightmare has a prelude, something that inspires it, something that happened or almost happened that your inmost mind seizes upon. 
It lives there in the back of your head and it multiplies itself and fattens on tiny fears until it's grown into a monstrous bloated horror. And then when it's full-sized with dread, it springs out at us from evil blackness at night when you're defenseless in sleep. The prelude to my nightmare occurred at six o'clock that evening, the 3rd of July. Since Elsa's illness, I'd been walking home from the station evenings instead of having her meet me. It's a pleasant six or seven blocks along Hartsdale Road and then up the hill to Ridgecrest. Just at the corner there, the kids play baseball. The signs say slow children and everything, but it's a nasty spot. And coming down the hill, a guy might... Look out! Look out! Hey, you, what's the matter with you? Don't you know that you can... I didn't see him, brother. They got no right to play him. Have you been drinking? Oh, me? No, because if you had, I'd pull you out of that car so fast and take you it's over to the police. All right, brother. Calm down. Nobody's hurt. Nobody's hurt. Just a little scared. I was still trembling when I got home. My head ached and I couldn't eat dinner. It wasn't something I could tell Elsa about. She wasn't ready yet to hear things like that. So I just sat there at the table, looking across at Stevie, half hearing his prattle about the new fishing rod and how many fish he'd catch on our outing tomorrow and some little story he'd learned in school about Thomas Jefferson and the first Fourth of July. And then pretty early, I took a pill and went to bed. It was the next afternoon. We were driving along, my wife, my boy, and myself. You know that winding road that leads up from Kingston to Falls Town in the trout country? A lot of hairpin turns and a few bad shoulders, but beautiful, beautiful scenery. And that's what we all needed after her nervous breakdown. A little slow around the turns, then. Why do you drive so fast? You're never driving too fast as long as you feel the car's under control. Better it wasn't under control a minute ago. What a curve. Ben, the gas tank's almost empty. Why didn't you listen to me and fill up at the last station? There's always a reserve after the empty mark. (laughs) Bet we run out of gas. Well, it seems to me, youngster, that when I tell you that... What's wrong? Why are we stopping? Oh, that's what I'd like to know. (laughs) You know, Dad, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. Out of gas. Oh, Ben. Will you ever learn? Well, everybody runs out of gas once in a while. Okay, well, it's a nice day for me to take a hike. But, Ben, is it all right to be parked like this? On the curb, so close to the road? Well, why not? Where's the traffic? Only adventurers like us know about this road. Well, goodbye, folks. Oh, goodbye, Mr. Know-it-all. I'll go with you, Dad. Oh, no, you'll stay here. Rule of the woods. Always leave one man behind to protect the women. Oh, can I take out my rod? Can I practice how to cast? Sure. And you, lady, you wipe off that smile. With my feet, this is a first-class tragedy. Well, it's a smart thing you did coming back this way. Nothing up ahead for five miles but the royal coachman. Uh, What do you mean? It's the name of a trout fly. Well, I know that. (laughs) It's the name of a roadhouse. Fancy name for a saloon. (laughs) Hangout for fishermen. Uh, they say. Oh? Oh, what do you say? Don't go there, crookedest-looking bunch you ever seen. Crooks from the big town. You go to my nephew. 
Sammy's place in town. Sammy Crawford. Clean sheets, good beds, home cooking. <laughs> good undertaker, too. Called himself a mortician. <laughs> well, what do they need him for, the fish? Yeah, alive or dead. He puts you to bed. <laughs> well, want anything else? How's your oil? Oh, uh, just the gas, thanks. Are we all straight? Yep. Oh, 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 one dollar deposit on the can. Give it to my nephew, Sammy, and let him take the dollar off your bill. Oh, well, we may not see Sammy. We'd like to pitch camp tonight. Yeah, got a place? No. Uh... Oh, that's bad. Gets dark mighty quick up this way. You sleep at Sammy's, mister. Better make a reservation. Trout season. Well, maybe you're right. You got a telephone in there? Sure have. Fifteen cents. Oh, this is going to be expensive fishing. Oh, what's nephew Sammy's number? It's right here on the wall, over the phone. Oh, say, look at that fellow coming down the pike there. Eighty miles. Bound for the roadhouse. Can't wait. Say, there are two dozen numbers over this phone. Uh, pick the biggest one, the one in red. Hey. Oh, look at him go, would you? Go on, you crazy fool, you. You're going to save five minutes if you have to kill five people to do it. Will you try to straighten out some of them bends up ahead? <laughs> you crazy fool. The pine trees were casting their last longest shadows across the road as I hiked back to the car. Well, we weren't going to get too much fishing done on the 4th of July. But we had to find some for Stevie. What a kid. Teasing his old man all the time. Then I came around that hairpin turn, and there was the car a few yards away. But no family. Uh, Elsa? Hey, Stevie! No family. Oh. Well, Stevie was asleep, and she didn't want to call out. That's right. The kid was tired. A lot of excitement for one day. I stepped on something... Stevie's trout rod. Lying in the middle of the road. These kids have no sense of responsibility. A split bamboo rod with silk winding and a balance that was so perfect. Well, I stepped up to the car. Elsa sat in the back seat looking at me. And in her lap she held my boy. Dead. Elsa couldn't speak. She couldn't speak. She couldn't speak. I forced some brandy between her teeth and made her swallow it. Her hands were like ice. I wanted to rub them, but I couldn't pry them loose from the boy. No! No! Did you see him? No! You want to make sure... I know. You want to make sure. Get away. Oh, get away. Elsa, how did it happen? I... His trout rod. Always his trout rod. He was standing at the edge there, casting. He wasn't on the road. He wasn't. And then there was a noise. A car coming up fast. You could tell. And before he could move, it came around the bend but, and it swerved. Elsa, what... There was so much dust. So much dust and pebbles everywhere. Such a thick cloud of dust. And Stevie flying out of it. Sir. Like a ball or a bird. Flying out of it. Uh, Elsa, take some more brandy. It'll do you good. No! No, I don't want any. Get away! Elsa, you've got to take some more brandy. Elsa! That's how he looked. 
standing in the road with the bottle in his hand. Who was standing in the road? The man. The man who killed us. He, he came back? He got out of his car and he came over to where I lay in the road with Stevie. He had a bottle and he took a drink and he offered me a drink and he said he was sorry. And then he drove away. <laughs> he said he was sorry. <laughs> sorry. Elsa. Sorry, Elsa, sorry. darling, Elsa, don't, don't, Elsa. Poor little Stevie. Poor sweet little Stevie. Poor, poor Stevie. And then it began to grow in me. And then the hate began to grow. She couldn't remember his car or the clothes he wore, and I couldn't make her describe his face. But I knew that somehow I'd find him. He couldn't be very far off, not in this part of the country. I'd find him. And when I did, I'd kill him. Autolite is bringing you Mr. Gregory Peck in Nightmare. Tonight's production in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage, Gregory Peck in Nightmare. A tale well calculated to keep you in Suspense. Plunged the car back into darkness toward the roadhouse. The killer, the dirty, dirty killer. There was so much dust. Dust and pebbles and Stevie flying out of it. Like a bird. Yes. Like a bird. Yes, Elsa. He got out of his car and he offered me a drink. He stood there and he said, you better take a drink. Oh, there's the royal coachman, that roadhouse. And he said he was sorry. We'll stop here and use the phone. There's a Sam Crawford in Fallstown. He runs some tourist house and a funeral chapel. I'll... Call him from here. Yes. Oh. See all the lights. Why are all the lights on? It's a roadhouse, Elsa. So many people going in. Why are they laughing? Well, they don't know how we feel, Elsa. They don't know about us. Is it all right to leave you here for a moment? I, I, I want to call. There he is. Would you like me to... Elsa. That's him. He killed us. Who? That's him. Who? The one, the one who hit Stevie? Where? There he is. Where? That one? The man standing in the doorway? How do you know? Can you see his face? He came over and he stood close and he said, You better take a drink. He was big and fat and his body filled the frame of the door. He ran a pudgy hand across his face. Now, he was drunk all right. And he was trying to shake himself out of it. Well, he'd never drink again. He'd never drive again. Not after I got through with him. Elsa, sit back. Now, don't let anyone see you. He killed us. Yes, I know, I know. Now, wait here, Elsa, wait here. Don't get out of the car. I watched him go inside. He walked across the lobby and disappeared in the bar. I went in after him. He was sitting there, his elbows on the bar and his head between his hands. I sat where I could watch him and still not be too close. Yeah, with soda. Before the bartender hardly let go, he had it down. And then his watery, bloodshot eyes looked about the room. His eyes caught mine. Bartender. He called to the bartender and then whispered something in his ear, looking at me, then pointing. The bartender walked over. 
What'll it be, Mac? Uh, oh, uh, oh, nothing. Uh, really, I, I, I don't care for anything. Oh, it's on this gentleman. Have a drink, fella. It's on me. No, thanks. Can't drink alone, never could. Come on now, have a drink. What'll it be? Can't insult a man, you gotta have a drink with him. Come on. Better take a drink with him, fella. Well, soda, just plain soda, but I'll pay for it myself. Just plain soda? Please, here's the money. What do you think you're doing? He don't want your money. Ain't that right? Your money's no good here. He kept breathing in my face and talking and ordering more drinks. And I kept thinking of Elsa in the car. The way her eyes changed when she saw him. The thing in her eyes when she looked at him. That fat man breathing down my neck and guzzling like nothing happened. I'll have it again the same way. Come on, fella. Drink up. Come on, you can't drink that stuff without something in it. Drink it. Hey, hey give him something in that uh, soda. I don't want anything. He I... don't want anything. He don't want anything. No, I... I'll have it again the same way. Coming up. He kept looking at me, breathing at me. He had the face of such an ordinary man, only very beefy. Such an ordinary man. How could he do what he did and then run away? I wondered who he was, what kind of work he did. Did he have a family? Did he have a son of his own? Was he having all those drinks to try to forget? Well, I couldn't let him forget. How long was he going to sit there? A couple of more drinks and he finally got up. He threw a bill on the bar and started to go. Hey, you changed. Never mind the change. He waved a pudgy hand. Big shot, big tipper. Very generous, nice guy. Even offered Elsa a drink after he killed our boy. I followed him into the lobby. He went to the desk. 257. Good night, sir. All right. He started for the elevator. I hurried to the stairway. I, I, I ran up to the second floor. I waited off the stairway landing and watched the elevator door Good open. Night, sir. Wait a minute. Not so fast. Please. I said, wait a minute. Don't shut that door. Not so fast. There's someone else ringing. I want to ask you a question. I have to go. People ringing. Can I ask you a question? Please step away from the door. You're blocking. Answer my question. Get away from the door, then I'll tell you. Sure. Now answer me. When are you going Smart, Alec. Think she's smart. He started down the hall, coming towards me. I stepped back into the stairway took a cigarette out of my packet, started to light it. He walked past, then he stopped. Oh, hi. I didn't want to talk to him, just wanted to do it and get it over with. I started toward him. We were alone. And then somebody was coming down the stairs. You wouldn't mind coming along? I don't like it. Even the service is lousy in the place. One elevator and you can die. How's how's about a light? Well, before I could answer him, his fat pudgy hand closed over mine and drew the lighted match to the cigarette in his mouth. He puffed loosely. His hand was damp and warm. I, I drew back. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see you out. I counted the doors as he passed on down the hall. One. Two. Three. The fifth door down. That was his room. I walked slowly down. I stood in front of his door. So now it would happen. 
is it? Who is it? Who is it? Oh. What do you want? What do you want? I, I, uh, I want to ask you something. May I? Oh, sure, sure. Come in, come in. He waddled over to the bed and sat down. Hey, you sit down. His watery bloodshot eyes blinking at me. I didn't know how to begin or what to do. The blind rage was gone. Something happened to me. Now, suddenly, I, I didn't know what I was doing there. What do you want? I walked over to the window, fumbling for some foolish excuse. It was no use. I couldn't kill anybody. I couldn't do it. Ask you, what do you want? I looked out of the window. The light from the neon sign on the roof made everything look so lonely and dead. What's the matter with you? And there was my car in the driveway and Elsa sitting there. Her face, the thin outline of her face, so gray, her, her mouth pressed tight in a straight, hard line. What do you want from me? She was holding my son, holding him tight, pressed close to her, holding him. My son. What do you want? Why did you kill my son? Huh? You drunken fool, why did you kill my son? You're crazy. You're crazy. Bloodshot eyes bulging from his head, frightened and guilty. He reached for the phone and then I was on him. Why did you kill him? You killed him. You killed him. You killed him. You Get out of here. The twisted black top road unwound steadily under the headlights. But something had changed. It, it was no longer a road. It was a cloudy, misty jungle where everyone was old and haggard. And there were no children. And then we brought our boy into Falls Town. don't mind a suggestion, Mr. Kane. You look pretty done in. And when we carried the boy out of the car, I had a look at your wife. Yes, I know. Uh, good thing you didn't stop at the Royal Coachman. Where? The Royal Coachman. That's a roadhouse. Halfway between here and my uncle's gas station. You didn't see it? Uh, no. Well, it's all lit up with neon. Like a regular Christmas tree. Troopers just phoned. There's a job for me. Somebody choked somebody to death. Lots of excitement. Oh, well, uh, who, who did it? Oh, they'll find him. She looks bad, your wife. We ought to get her right to bed. Yes. Elsa? No, I have no son. Well, this is Sam Crawford, Elsa. He's going to take care of Stevie. And we're going to sleep in his house tonight. I think we need some sleep, don't you? That's him. What do you mean? That's him. He did it. He did what? He killed my son. Elsa. I'm Sammy Crawford, ma'am. I run the local... He killed us. He killed us. Elsa. Elsa. Look at me. 
Are you all right, Elsa? I don't think she knows what she's saying. He came over. He stood there with a bottle. He said he was sorry. Elsa. Elsa, this is Sammy Crawford. He wasn't there. He was here, miles away. He killed her! I'll get Doc Sadler. What's the matter with Elsa? I know he didn't do it. He couldn't have. I was talking to him on the telephone when it happened from the gas station. Elsa, we know who did do it. We know. And he's dead. He said he was sorry. He said he was sorry. Elsa. Yes. Look across the street. Elsa, do you hear me? Look across the street. Yes. Do you see that man walking toward the street light? Can, can you see him? Answer me. Yes. Well, just look at him, Elsa. That's all. There. Now, now, he, now he's under the light. Well? That's him. No. That's no, him. No. That's him. He did it. Elsa. He did it. Elsa, that's a minister. He did it. You know it wasn't that's a minister. Him. You saw, and it wasn't him. Sam Crawford. He was talking to me that's on the him. telephone. That's him. No. That's him. No, Elsa. That's no. Him. No. That's no. Him. No. That's no. That's no. 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 Ben. No. Ben. No. Ben, darling. Uh, uh, Ben! Huh? Ben. What? What? Oh. oh. Hi, Dad. Oh. Hi. Hello, Stevie. Hi. Darling, what on earth? You were dreaming something. Moaning and great racking. I, uh, it was a nightmare. Oh, else it was. It was. The dream you lost your job? Yes. Yes, that was it. How did you know? Because I know everything. Come on now. Up, out of bed. We've got a big day. Fourth of July comes but once a year. Garage doors open, Stevie? Boy, will we burn up the road. Stevie, wow. stop that talk. Why, darling. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, instead of going up by Falls Town and up there, we'll cut across just before Kingston and, and find our fishing over around Litchfield, huh? I feel like Connecticut today. Okay, Dad. I gotta go for What did you dream about, darling? It was so awful. Me? <laughs> well, since you have to know, I had a horrible, jealous dream. I dreamt you didn't love me. Oh, oh dearest. Oh, that was the wildest dream imaginable. Now, wasn't that a waste of time? Suspense, presented by Autolite. Tonight's star, Gregory Peck, in Nightmare. Mr. Peck, the subject of our show and your character portrayal won't do highway safety any harm this Labor Day weekend. Today's newspapers carried some dreadful predictions of the accidents and deaths likely to happen. Yes, I saw them. And if I may, I'd like to add a few words of my own on this subject of safety. The mic is yours, Greg. Well, this evening, the Electric Autolite Company has been honored for its efforts on behalf of highway safety. You, too, can earn such an award. Of course, yours won't be quite the same. No bronze plaque or embossed certificates, and no one will pin any medals on you. Yours will be a greater, more personal reward. The deep-felt satisfaction that comes from knowing that you've taken care and not endangered your own life or the lives of others. So drive carefully, won't you? Today, tomorrow, always. Thank you. 
Now, Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations present... Suspense. Tonight, Autolite brings you Gregory Peck in Michael Vanning's Murder Through the Looking Glass. A suspense play produced and directed by Anton M. Leder. And now, Autolite presents Gregory Peck in a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. The sound was a dull, monotonous roar in my ears, and I listened, wondering if it were real or part of a dream. Suddenly, I... I was awake, and I knew that I was riding on a train. But where? I didn't remember getting on a train. I opened my eyes and saw that I was in the lounge car. There was only darkness through the window. A man sat across from me reading. There was a bridge game down the aisle, a porter serving drinks. Everything nice and normal, except that I had no idea how I got on the train or why I was there. I tried to think of a reason for being there, but I I couldn't. These spells of forgetfulness had been coming on more often lately. I leaned back and closed my eyes, listened to the rhythm of the train. A melody began to fit itself to the rhythm. I couldn't remember ever having heard such a song, but somehow I seemed to know the words. Down in the valley... Valley so low, late in the evening, hear that train blow, hear that train blow. I la, beg your pardon, uh, sir, but your singing is disturbing the other passengers. Oh, I'm sorry. You understand, sir, it's the other passengers. I kind of liked your singing myself. Your singing didn't disturb me either, young man. In fact, it was rather a pretty melody. What was the name of it? Why, it's, uh, I, you know, it's silly, but I... I don't know. I can't even remember the tune now. <laughs> That's the way it is with songs. I've had the same thing happen to me. Uh, so what, what train is this? Why, it's the New York Express to Philadelphia. Ought to be there any minute, too. <laughs> you must have been on some party if it lasted all day. Or what, what time is it? Seven o'clock. <laughs> P.M., that is. <laughs> yes, sir. It must have been pretty drunk out where you were. I think he said something else after that, but I wasn't listening then. I noticed that I was wearing a brown top coat. It wasn't mine. Maybe I'd accidentally exchanged coats with someone. If I couldn't remember it, it must have been that kind of a party. If so, I felt for my wallet. It was there. I, I opened it to see if I had any money left, and my eye was caught by the driver's license made out to John Blake. In another pocket of the wallet, there were engraved cards reading John Blake Insurance. I wasn't John Blake. I was Jeffrey Bruno, a writer. I couldn't even drive a car. I didn't know anything about insurance. I'd never heard of a John Blake, but here was his identification in my wallet. What's the matter, young fellow? Are you ill? The man across from me said something, but I didn't hear what it was. I, I looked through the other pockets. There was a bank book showing that John Blake had a big bank balance of $647.55. My balance had never been higher than 15 bucks. There was a letter, a bill for shirts, addressed to John Blake at at an address I never heard of before. 
There was a moment there, a few crazy seconds, when I wondered if I really was John Blake. No, I couldn't be. I knew I was Jeffrey Bruno, who lived at a two-room apartment in Greenwich Village and wrote mystery stories for a living. I knew who I was. Broad Street Station. Broad Street Station. Well, here we are. Or are you going on downtown? Well, I, uh, say, I could get a train back to New York here, couldn't I? Sure, right across on the other platform. <laughs> that must have been some party. I had to get back to New York and straighten out this business about John Blake's coat and identification. He, whoever he was, might even be thinking I'd stolen them. Besides, I wanted to find out where I'd been the night before and all day, and why I'd awakened on a train to Philadelphia. And then just as I got up from the seat, I glanced out of the window. The newsboy was holding up a newspaper. Across the top was the big headline. Killer Blake escapes... Blake! Just below it, there was a picture of me. Pulling down my hat and turning up my coat collar, I managed to get on a New York train without anyone recognizing me. Then, fortunately, no one pays any attention to anyone else on New York subways. Two blocks from my apartment house, I stopped at the corner stand to buy a newspaper. Oh. Oh, there you are, Mr. Bruno. Haven't seen you around for a couple days. Yeah, I've been busy. Hey, you know, I saw your picture somewhere today. You got a story in one of the magazines, maybe? No, no, well, well, good... Wait a minute. I'll remember where I saw your picture. I never forget yeah, a... I've got to go now. You can tell me about it tomorrow. I had to get away before he remembered. I looked down and saw my picture on his papers. At home, there were a lot of letters in my box. Too many for just one delivery. When I got to the apartment, I looked at them. Two of the letters had been postmarked in New York three days before. It doesn't take three days for letters to be delivered locally. Where had I been for three days? Who? Uh, who's there? Rosalie. Oh, Rosalie, just a minute. Hi, Jeff. I thought I heard someone in here. Oh, a friend of yours stopped by, but you weren't home. He ran into me on the stairs and asked if I lived here and then wanted me to give you a message. Burnett was his name. Bill, I think he said. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here, Rosalie. Stay and talk to me. We can have some coffee or a drink. When did you say Bill was here? Yesterday morning. He said something about having had a date with you the night before, but you never showed up. Yesterday morning? Oh, oh, yes. What's the matter, Jeff? Don't you feel well? Oh, sure. I feel fine. Rosalie, tell me, do I ever do anything out of the ordinary? I mean, do I... Well, have I ever seemed strange? You mean, are you... Well, you've always seemed very sane to me, if that's what you mean. In spite of your vanishing acts. My... My what? The times you disappear. You don't know? I'm sorry. Let me finish it for you. You mean the days when I've awakened, thinking it was Tuesday... Only it'd turn out to be Thursday. You mean I'd disappear for a couple of days, go somewhere else, become somebody else? Oh, I wouldn't have said anything, Jeff, but... Well, then why don't I remember? Oh, I've heard of people drawing blanks because they've had too much to drink, but... Now, maybe it's something different. What is, Jeff? Well, I told her all about it. All I knew, anyway. At first she was frightened, but then I guess she felt sorry for me and she got over it. Before, Rosalie had always been just a beautiful, desirable girl. I'd had drinks with her a few times in her apartment and mine, but that was all. Oh, not that I hadn't wanted to take her out, but 
She was a model, and I was sure that she led a glamorous life with rich men begging to take her out. But now she didn't look as glamorous as she looked understanding. I needed that. For I was beginning to believe that the explanation of John Blake wasn't as simple as I first thought. I'm glad I came in, Jeff. You need someone. And it doesn't matter whether you're John Blake or not. Well, it matters to me. I, look, I, I know I'm Jeffrey Bruno and not some guy named John Blake. Well, I can remember my whole life living on the farm, going to school, working on a newspaper, coming to New York. I can remember every minute of it. Every minute? Oh, uh, uh, no. No, not every minute. You know, Jeff, such things can happen. White-bearded old men with eyeglasses write books about such things. They've, they've got a word for it. I can't pronounce it, but it means that you can be two people at one time and not know it. So maybe... So maybe I'm John Blake, too. I was way ahead of you in thinking that. And if you are, that's a sickness. And people can get over being sick. Maybe you'll remember all the things John Blake did. I already know one thing he did. He killed someone. I don't know who or how, but, but I... John Blake murdered someone. You brought a paper home. Why not see? Whatever happened, Jeff, we'll find a way to work it out. Thanks, Rosalie. Here it is. His name was Rufus Carrington. He was an old man and wealthy. I, John Blake, worked part-time for his nephew, Roger Gunn. Mm -hmm. There's money missing from the firm, and it's believed Rufus Carrington may have found out about it. I see. Roger Gunn arrived to see his uncle this morning and was told by the butler that the old man was in the study with an unknown caller. Roger Gunn was talking to the butler when they heard the old man cry out. He ran to the study and found him dead. Oh, how awful. Your nephew saw me, the killer, escaping and, and recognized him. Well, if I were John Blake, my other self didn't do things in a small way. Oh, don't, Jeff. I never wanted the things John Blake must have wanted. I never wanted riches, never thought of going into a business like insurance. I just can't understand this thing. They'll understand, Jeff. They have people who understand things like that. Rosalie, whatever happens, will you promise me that if you don't like Jeffrey Bruno, you'll like John Blake? But like one of us, it doesn't matter which one it is. I like you. Whichever one of them you are. You see, Rosalie, I, I'm innocent, even if John Blake isn't. I haven't murdered anyone. It was another part of me. But but if I try to run away, they'll they'll find me. They'll They'll hurt me for what John Blake did. Where can I go? What can I do? You can go to the police and tell them the whole truth. Because, you see, they can't do anything to you. You're not responsible for what you did as John Blake. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. There's no point in running. Look, I know I, I have no right to ask it, but... Would you go with me, Rosalie? Of course I will, Jeff. <laughs> it's like being haunted. Knowing that somewhere inside of me there's another man... Never knowing when I'll be him. Say, say, what if, what if I turn into John Blake before we even get to the police? For suspense, Autolite is bringing you Gregory Peck in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Gregory Peck as Jeffrey in Murder Through the Looking Glass. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Rosalie was right. I, 
thought about it as we walked down the stairs. Well, they'd know what to do with a case like mine. They'd know that Jeffrey Bruno wasn't responsible for what John Blake did. Of course, they'd lock me up for my own good, and... and then they'd leave me in there. What's the matter, Jeff? Wait, wait, Rosalie. You're right, I, I mustn't run away, but... First, I've got to find out about the other me, about John Blake. All I know is that he murdered someone. I have to know other things about him, what he was really like. What... I understand, Jeff, but you mustn't do anything foolish. I have to know about my other life, what, what books I read, what kind of girls I liked. You can see that's important, can't you? Of course. Jeff, I just thought of something. I know a man, a psychiatrist. Maybe if I called him, you could see him tonight. He'd understand. Maybe he could tell you what to do. Will you talk to him? Well, I'll do anything. It'll help me to understand what I was like when I was John Blake and, and why I was like that. I'll go in the drugstore here and call him. I'm sure he'll see you, and we'll do whatever he says. Now, Mr. Bruno, you say there have been many times when you haven't remembered what happened for days. Oh, not many. A few times. It only happened after I'd been drinking, and I, I thought that's all it was. Until this... Uh... I see. Uh, it's a very interesting case. Well, what is it, Doctor? I've done some reading on psychiatry, and it sounds... Is it split personality? Schizophrenia? Yes, it's very possible. Uh, for instance, subconsciously, you might have had a desire for things which, consciously, you'd convinced yourself were bad. That desire became so great that you created John Blake so you could satisfy it without compromising Jeffrey Bruno. Yeah, but wouldn't I be partly aware of wanting those things? Isn't it possible that... That I'm not John Blake? That all of this is something else? I'll let you answer that yourself, Mr. Bruno. <laughs> How can I? If I could answer it, I, I wouldn't be here. Mr. Bruno, do you honestly believe that there is a real person named John Blake, a person who looks exactly like you, a person whose coat and identification came accidentally into your possession? No, no I, I guess I don't, but... But there must be another explanation. Well, the alternative would be to believe that someone is, uh, is framing you. Do you believe that someone drugged you several times or there'd be days you couldn't account for? That someone forged the papers of John Blake and planted them on you? Can you believe that someone planned to commit this murder months ago, rented an apartment in the name of John Blake, filled it with clothing in your size, put your photograph in the apartment? Oh, but... You, according to the newspaper story, the nephew of the murder victim was the only man to identify your picture. Therefore, he would have to have been the one to frame you. Well, this would imply that this uh, uh, Roger Gunn knew you and you knew him. Uh, do you? No, I, I don't remember. Well, then can you believe that he was able to drug you to know your clothes size, to get a photograph of you? I guess Besides, not. Besides, if he framed you, that implies he is the murderer. But that can't be, because according to the butler, the nephew was with him at the time the murder took place. <laughs> you, you see, Mr. Bruno? Uh, I see. Well, what can I do, Doctor? Well, if this were not a murder case, the answer would be a simple one. I'd undertake to treat you, but... As it is, I'm afraid I must suggest that you go to the police. Yeah, I, I suppose you're right. I'm sorry I wasn't able to help you, young man, if you'd only come to me sooner. Jeff, can you help him, Doctor? Under the circumstances, it's too late for me to do anything directly. I've advised Mr. Bruno to go to the police. Come on, Jeff. I'll go with you. All right. Oh, well, thank you, Doctor. Oh, not at all. Sorry, I, I can't do more. Good night. Good night. Good night. I'm sorry, Jeff, but they'll have to believe you. They can't make you suffer for what John Blake did. And then, when you're well... When I'm well, what? We'll see. Uh -huh. Rosalie, the, 
There's one, one more thing I want to do before I go to the police. I want to see the apartment where I lived when I was John Blake. I still don't know what I was like when I was being here. Maybe if I can only see how I lived, it'll give me a clue. Uh-huh. The lobby looks empty. Now, let's see. The address on the letter is apartment 203. Wasn't there anything in the letter? Well, it was a bill. It seems that I'm not only an embezzler and a murderer, but I didn't even pay John Blake's bills. Please, Jeff, don't joke about it. All right, Rosalie, no joking. I don't think it's very funny either. Now, if I were John Blake, I ought to have a key to my own apartment. Ah, this must be it. I don't remember ever seeing it before, but the number 203 is stamped on it. Well, Rosalie... I'll stay here and warn you if the police come. Good luck, Jeff. The lobby was empty. I got on the self-service elevator and I rode up to the second floor. It, too, was deserted and I walked to the door of John... of my apartment. I hesitated, wondering if maybe there were a policeman inside. Well, I... I had to take the chance. A key worked and I stepped inside. The place seemed empty. I turned on the light. It was a small apartment, inexpensive, perfectly correct, and dull. There were hunting prints on the wall. There were two suits in the wardrobe. My size all right, even though I, I couldn't remember buying them. There were even monogrammed handkerchiefs. <laughs> it was unreal. Yet I, I had to believe all these things belonged to me, that there had been times when I liked wearing them. My head was spinning by now, and I, I leaned up against the wall. I don't know how long I stood there, unaware of anything except the pain inside. Gradually, I, I was aware that somebody was knocking on a door, but it, it was several seconds before I located it. It was, it was at my door. The police? Oh no, Rosalie said she'd warn me. It was the police. I wasn't ready to give myself up yet. I ran to the window. There was a fire escape outside. I raised the window and, and looked out. I, I couldn't see anyone. I had to take a chance that there wasn't a cop at the bottom of the fire escape. I, I climbed out and closed the window. As I started to break in, I, I ran down the fire escape. I jumped to the ground and looked around the corner. There was one man sitting in the police car. I turned and, and ran the other way. I must have run two blocks before I heard footsteps behind me. I, I turned and it, it was Rosalie. Oh, Jeff. You said you'd warned me. What happened? But I did, Jeff. I rang the buzzer twice while they were getting out of the car. When I saw you getting away, I, I thought you'd heard. You must have heard it. You rang twice? And the bell must be out of order, just like John Blake. Or I didn't hear it. I almost didn't hear them knocking. I'm sorry, Rosalie. I, I just... I don't know. It doesn't matter, Jeff. I... I was so frightened. No, you mustn't be. I, I promise I won't do anything to involve you or hurt you. Oh, I wasn't thinking of myself. You can't go on like this, Jeff. You've got to go in. Give yourself a chance to get well. Yeah, I know. You know, upstairs there for a minute, I, I thought of running away, of going to some little town and changing my name. But uh, that's no good either. That wouldn't get rid of John Blake. Then? I've got an idea. Just one more try. Another hour won't make any difference to the police. All right, Jeff, where are we going? Not we, Rosalie. I'm, I'm not going to involve you in this anymore. I was John Blake. 
I did the things John Blake did, and I have to see it through to the finish. At least tell me where you're going. No, it'll be better if you don't know. Oh, please, Jim. No, this is the way it has to be. Then if it, if it turns out worse than we think, you can just remember that for a few hours you were friendly to someone who needed it. If I come through this, if I get well, then... Yes, Jeff? Well, as you said, Rosalie, we'll see. I put her in a cab and gave the driver the address in the village. Then I went to the place where I was afraid to go. Yet it was the one place I had to go. Yes, sir? Well, don't... Aren't you Mr. Carrington's butler? Yes, sir. Clark is the name, sir. I've been... Uh, I was in Mr. Carrington's service for 40 years. But why do you ask? Well, don't you recognize me? I... Uh, I don't believe so, sir. Of course, there were so many of you here today from the newspapers... But I was here even earlier. I... I'm John Blake. Oh... Then you're the gentleman who murdered Mr. Carrington, according to the newspapers. Well, why do you say according to the newspapers? I don't believe you killed Mr. Carrington, sir. You... you don't? Why not? Why, he didn't even know you, sir. Well, maybe he only got acquainted with me this morning when I came to kill him. If he had made an appointment with you, sir, I would have known. But didn't you let me in to see him? Oh, no, sir. He answered the door himself when his visitor arrived. I see. Is Mr. Carrington's nephew here? Mr. Gunn? Yes, sir. But he left word not to be disturbed. He did, did he? Clark, did Mr. Carrington have a gun? Yes, sir. Would you trust me with it if it might help catch the murderer? I guarantee it'll catch him. Won't you step in? Thank you. I was very fond of Mr. Carrington, sir. He kept the gun here in the hall near the door. Oh, here it is, sir. I'm an old man myself, and perhaps I'm foolish to even... Well, don't you worry. Just just take me to see Mr. Gunn. Oh, but I, I can't do that, sir. Clark! Oh, pardon me, sir. Yes, Mr. Gunn? Who are you talking to, Clark? Is that the attorney? No, sir. It's a young... Wait a minute. I know that voice. I'm sorry, Clark. Who the devil... You? Yes, me, Mr. Gunn. Or should I say Dr. Gunn? Clark, leave the room. Uh, yes, sir. Well, I... This is all a terrible mistake. You bet it is. And I want to hear why the nephew of the man I'm supposed to have murdered is also the psychiatrist who convinced me I was crazy and ought to surrender to the police. Well, I... Don't move. Don't point that gun at me, please. I, uh... I'm expecting a phone call from the attorney about the will. And then I, I'm sure we can straighten this thing out. I, I'll give you money. We'll straighten it out now without money. You killed your uncle, didn't you? No. I was with Clark. He can tell you. Don't answer that. Clark will answer it then, on the extension. And he knows I'm then here. let Clark answer it. But I'm going to get the truth out of you before you have a chance to talk to anyone. I, I meant you no harm. Not much. You just wanted me to take your seat in the electric chair. You told me the whole thing when you were posing as the psychiatrist, didn't you? You told me the truth, making me think it couldn't have been like that. The only thing you didn't tell me was about the person who killed your uncle and helped frame me. I beg your pardon, sir, but it's an urgent call. Don't move, Gunn. If it's so urgent, I'll take it for you. Yes? Roger. I'm calling you from our usual place. He hasn't gone to the police yet. Roger. 
Are you there? I, uh, yes. I, uh, I can't talk now. The attorney's here. Wait, Roger. I think he's on his way over there. Be careful. All right. You don't sound right. Are you getting frightened again? After all we've done so far, you've got to keep your nerve up. I'm coming over, Roger. Good. I'll be there in five minutes. Stall him when he arrives. Goodbye, Roger. Goodbye, Rosalie. Clark. Yes, sir? You were right before. Mr. Carrington opened the door this morning for a beautiful young lady after a date had been made by Mr. Roger Gunn here. I I told him she was blackmailing me, and I, I wanted him to see her because he'd had experience handling that sort of thing. But I, I swear Rosalie didn't tell me she was going Never to kill... Never mind. Clark, call the police. Tell them by the time they arrive, the murderer of Mr. Carrington will be here waiting for them. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.